Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today on Sense of Soul, we are so super excited to have on Lynn Miller and Barbara Mango. These two beautiful souls merged and wrote a book called Convergence, The Interconnection of Extraordinary Experiences. I right now feel like I'm on a super high vibration because I just finished this book. I just want to share with you, first of all, thank you for sending me your book. Second of all, I feel like I'm coming out of an outer body experience because I just finished your book and it was the craziest experience I've ever had. So I've had a near-death experience in my life and an outer body experience in my life. So when I was reading your book, it was like in an hour everything from this book was like, just without even reading the page, it was coming into me. It was the craziest oh, experience. Wow. So thank yes. you. <laughs> it was amazing. And I'm emotional because I feel a little less alone in my experiences after reading it. Uh-huh. And I also, um, sorry, I'm going to cry. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like a little oh. more understood you know, it really shifted my life and just the the way things were explained were helpful for me to understand that I'm not crazy. (laughs) So thank you. That's exactly why we wrote the book. That is the number one reason we have navigated life like that. And it is so hard when you feel alone, right? And not understood. And oh my God, we feel like we touch somebody and that's exactly I know. what I, I It's giving me chills. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you so I much. Know. You know, I've read some of like, I read Eben Alexander's book and we've had him on in, and that one helps me at the beginning after yeah. my second near death experience. But this one was so deep. I'm just like <laughs> way up here today. Thank you ladies for blessing my morning. We are so honored to have you on and thank you both for writing this and sharing your personal experiences. Welcome to the both of you. Thank you so much. We're really excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. So tell us, Barbara, how did you guys meet each other? We met each other through the Edgar Mitchell Research Foundation. A lot of People might not know who he is off the top of their heads, but Dr. Edgar Mitchell was a sixth astronaut to walk on the moon. And he also had an astrophysics degree from Harvard. But what was different for him is he had a spiritually transformative experience when he was up in space. He was looking out of windows or whatever, out of the lunar module. And he looked down at earth and it was this little back and in in the midst of this giant universe and it just sort of changed his whole paradigm he became very interested in researching when he came back and no longer involved in nasa he became really really interested in um further researching the interconnectivity of ufo phenomena or we call it unidentified aerial phenomena and what he called other modalities, which really just means other phenomena. The foundation that studied this, and Lynn and I were on the research team, and because we're just lifelong experiencers, and since they're studying different phenomena, they were like, okay, come on, guys, join the team. And Lynn and I just really, really hit it off. I mean, from everything from having like crazy cats to like working with kids and And just our personalities click. So the foundation was working on a book, taking all these findings. I think it was four years of research. And we just sort of looked at each other and said, you know what? These are hardcore scientists trying to like prove these things. But we are first and foremost experiencers. And like we know these things, right? And even though the science is super important, from my opinion, and I think Lynn's, there's nothing more important than the experiential part, right? So, but they need to be married. So that's how Lynn and I met each other. And we just clicked and we decided to write a book. Oh my gosh, I love it. And there was also (laughs) another woman by the name of Penny who was involved as well. Did you meet her there also? I did not meet her there. I am also a board member of the Past Life Research Institute. And we had a conference 
years ago. And Penny had flown out to the conference because she was involved. She was, uh, had actually volunteered to do a past life regression at the conference. And she and I met and she had had four near death experiences and we clicked. So when we wrote the book, because Lynn and I have not actually had a near death experience. Like I wrote, that was my subject for my dissertation, but Penny's had four. She went into anaphylactic shock four separate times. So she agreed to write, you know, to contribute her own near death experiences. So yeah, Penny's great. Yeah, I really related to her because she of uh, the anaphylactic and going into respiratory failure, because that's what mm -hmm. caused my near death experience both times too. Barbara, though, you've had quite the experiences in your life. What is your mm -hmm. what would you consider your main experience? And then Lynn, what would you consider yours? I would say I've had three or four that have been mind blowing. One of them was a visit from my deceased grandmother, which had components of every paranormal show you've ever seen on TV. But it was beautiful and absolutely life altering because she was coming to comfort me six months after her death. Another absolutely trans, and I call this one transcendent and it's not in the book, but I was walking down my street and all of a sudden time stopped. I was taking a walk on a beautiful cloudless day, just walking. I love to be in nature. And all of a sudden time stopped and I just felt this, I can't even say incredulous love. It's like the love near death experiencers describe. It's, it's beyond anything we know on earth. I mean, words are so inadequate, right? As I felt this overpowering, intense love, I heard source or I looked at it as source talking to me, telepathically explaining everything, everything in the universe and how everything's interconnected. And then I started seeing how like a blade of a grass was interconnected with the star was interconnected with a human was interconnected with a, you know, a squirrel. <laughs> so that was powerful. But I have to say, I've had more past life memories than anything else. And those have all been spontaneous. That's my major experience. Although so many have impacted my life. Barbara, wow. <laughs> I, I know. Okay, your, your turn, Lynn. So for most of my life, I've had what's called spontaneous OBEs and didn't really know what they were, thought they were strange, lucid dreams. I've always been interested in, you know, paranormal. I think that, you know, what, you know, I have been reflecting on a lot of these things because writing the book, having me reflect on my childhood, which I have had a lot of experiences back then too. It's just that I had pretty much forgot that they even existed. Now, some of the most outstanding experiences as I started getting into the spirituality, having my huge paradigm shifts, that happened in 2006. And when I started to meditate more, these experiences started to happen more, the OBEs. And at that time, I pretty much thought they were too woo-woo. It's like, no, I'm not having astral projection or OBEs. That's just beyond me. Because, you know, I have a science background. And the vibration state started to be more prominent. I would wake up and I would be two inches from my ceiling and I would touch my ceiling because I was having these experiences. And then I came up on a podcast with William Buman and then he explained the whole thing. And that's when it's like chill bumps and I started reading. And that's when I started to practice controlled out-of-body experiences. So one of my first big aha moments in that was I knew that I was having them let's see if I can actually take one and create a situation where I could actually make it happen. And I did that. I, I did the wake back to bed technique, which you kind of get up around two or three o'clock in the morning, you do some meditation and then you lay back down. And then I was hearing the vibrations and all of a sudden it's like, yes, it's happening. And I was in such complete and total control. And I raised out of my body and I stood there and I looked back at myself in the bed and I was just laughing. I was ecstatic and I put my hand through my body and I could feel this slight vibration. And I was just laughing so hard and just so tickled. Of course, you know, when, when you're out of body and you pay too much attention to your physical body, you just pretty much pop back in. But here I was, I was laughing 
And then all of a sudden I was back into my body, my eyes open and I was still laughing. And it's like, I did it. I really did it. So that began my journeys of out of body experiences. I would say another really strange one that I have shared concerning, let's just say ET experiences. We, you know, we call them non-human intelligent beings in HIVs. Those have been so much part of many of my out-of-body experiences. But there was this one time, you know, this was during the time when my life was changing, my paradigm had shifted. I was very involved in forums and groups with out-of-body experiences. And I was in bed one night and, you know, I woke up and I just kind of felt strange. And when I looked up on the side of my bed were these three beings, okay? I felt a little strange because, you know, back then my daughter was much younger. She was sleeping with me and I looked to, you know, to see if she was okay. She was asleep and I reached up and I, I touched one of the beings like right on the shoulder around the chest area and I was feeling around and I just, I, I was not terrified at all. It's like, you know, to me going through my mind, it's like, oh, this is normal. And I just nonchalantly just laid back down and went back to sleep. And it wasn't until the next morning I felt, whoa, this really happened to me. So that's been one of the other big ones. Oh my gosh, so much to talk about. I know that Shanna, you're probably dying <laughs> to jump in here right now, but because <laughs> she's had a lot of experiences like that too. I want to hear about hers. <laughs> and my mind is all about the NDEs and Shanna's all aliens. And so we've got a lot to talk about. We're, we're just seriously overwhelmed with gratitude to have you two on. Your book covers a lot. I mean, you talk about how NDEs, OBEs, past lives, how all these commonalities mm -hmm. that you find between them and the experiences. And Lynn, you talk about these OBEs, and I found it absolutely fascinating in your book about how you talk about this is the main area where they have found that you can do this spontaneous healing. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe that that never crossed my mind because I'm like, wow, we're so surface uh, here on earth that we think we can do mm -hmm. this, this healing here, but to take ourselves into yeah. an outer body experience and ask for that divine healing there. I loved that piece of the book. Can you talk about that, Lynn? Yes. Yes. Through my growth in all these experiences, especially being able to talk to other experiencers. So, you know, I was part of the William Buman's um, OBE forum and other types of groups. And so a lot of this comes from information that I've heard from so many people. It's like a lot of OBEers, they tend to have a specific purpose in their journeys. It's like you almost can talk to any frequent flyer as we call ourselves. And many of them have purposes. And some of them are healing, healing themselves, healing other people. There has been so much success in, in many of these situations. With my personal experience in healing, you know, I had torn my ACL. I mean, and that's what I did. I laid down to have an out-of-body experience. I'm really into what's called the ethereal projection, where you pretty much stay near or in your body because so much happens during that time. I really believe that a lot of ET UAP experiences also happen during this time. And I laid there and I just, I asked for healing from my extraterrestrial beings, my, my guides. And it was just amazing because all of a sudden in my mind's eye, I could see the fibers literally being put together. It's like I could see this red light and the fibers were just being put back. It was almost like I was looking at a microscopic version of it. I woke up and I was completely healed. I do remember my muscles being a little, they hurt a little bit because I had been hobbling around so much. So there was a little tightness there, but when it came to the knee, it was, the pain was gone and it was a complete healing. There has been so many other experiencers that have had the same thing to occur. Some of them yeah, have been self-healing things. Some of them have been you know, healing for their guys or what they believe to be their ET families. Natalie's story in your book blew my mind. She was a soldier in Iraq and she saw herself inside of that Humvee, like blown into pieces, her eyeball and the light beings came and healed her. Wow. That story for our listeners, 
you've got to get a copy of their book. That story was just unbelievable. Star seeds. Do you reference them here on earth as like Dolores Cannon did? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I love Dolores Cannon. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I, I go to her conference that she started every year in Eureka okay. Springs, the meaning of star seeds. You know, these are okay. people who have incarnated on earth who have been possible other beings from other planets, other dimensions and things. Are these like most likely as people to be able to achieve these kind of experiences? Or when you're talking about experiencers, is this the majority of them? Definitely. People who have lived past lives or other lives or alternate lives as other beings from different realities, different planets are definitely more likely to have these experiences. Because I, I think as, you know, like Dolores Cannon, has she put it, you know, first wave and the second wave and different people who have incarnated on earth to make that difference. I feel like I've, I'm part of that first one because of my age and I am older that has incarnated first time on planet earth because I'm pretty sure if this is my first time. I tend to have a more difficult time dealing with the ways of the planet as we've had these second and third waves of individuals of other star seeds it has become much easier for them because they just kind of come into it and it's like, yes, this is who I am. And I don't care what you believe, you know, or what you think of me. So she's had a huge impact on my life. Mm -hmm. So what research did you, have you guys done around the out-of-body experiences and the similarities of that with like the near-death experiences and like what's happening in the body and the brain? It's really quantum physics in that consciousness is not localized to the brain. And when you have any of these experiences, at least from my perspective, and I know Lynn feels the same way with her out-of-body experiences, they're not happening in everyday, ordinary 3D consciousness. There are so many reasons why when I have them, you lose track of time and space. I mean, it doesn't even exist anymore. It either ceases to exist or it speeds up or it slows down, but it certainly isn't linear. Like, you know, it on earth, you know, cause like in everyday life, everything is so centered around time, right? Mm -hmm. Our schedules are very existence. And also when you're having these experiences, I mean, usually they have common themes, if there's quote speaking, it's telepathic. We're given what we call, because it's the easiest term, downloads. I mean, of information you couldn't possibly know. I mean, I had my first experience when I was two years old. And as a two-year-old, I was being told about the cosmos and space-time, the oranges of the universe. And the thing is, that wasn't even weird to me at the time. I completely understood it, which as a two-year-old, that's impossible. We usually see some forms of beings or light. There's just such an expansion of the senses and everything is realer. We always say realer than real because it is. Sight is multidimensional. I call it omnidimensional. It's more than 360 degrees. Our hearing is more clear. And then when the whatever experience we're having ends, we feel like we're being stuffed, like crammed back into this really limited, dense body. In my experience, that is one of the most telltale signs, because when you're having the experience, it's this enormous, expansive consciousness that you are pure consciousness, right? I mean, you think it and you do it. And it is so hard once that experience ends to just come back to this dense body and have to live, you know, our little 3D existence with our five senses. So that's how I've navigated life. That's how I've experienced it. And Lynn, I think, Lynn, you would look at it the same way? Yes. If you're talking about like the possible scientific evidence and certain types of research that has been conducted into this, there are have been a lot of universities that are doing research in the, this phenomenon. One of the ones that I really relate to is, you know, the Monroe Institute, because mm -hmm. Robert Monroe is, you know, one of the original people who started all of this. And of course, you know, he was the big out-of-body experiencer guy, but he also 
has researched so much of the other stuff, telepathy, telekinesis, all this other stuff. And, you know, the Monroe Institute is one of those that have definitely done a lot of ongoing investigations. Barbara, you had mentioned other universities, if you'd like to mm -hmm. talk about yeah. other places. Well, this is something that's really refreshing to us because it's a real positive going forward that universities are now incorporating programs. And I would say, because I've had so many past life experiences, is the University of Virginia. I don't know if you've heard of Ian Stevenson, but he was one of the pioneers in children's past life memories. And now Jim Tucker has taken over absolutely amazing, amazing research. In fact, there was a book written Oh, I think I read it about 10 years ago about a little boy. I wish I could remember the name. It was a bestseller about a small child who started talking about being a pilot and crashing. And I think he was six years old. He understood everything about aerodynamics and flight navigation. And I believe it was Jim Tucker that did the research. And it turns out that he remembered his name and they were able to verify every single thing the six-year-old child said. So they're in the cutting edge of past life research. There's just so many. Actually, in Scotland, there's the Edinburgh, University of Edinburgh, which is doing research on psi phenomena. It's just growing throughout the world. So it is just so exciting. And then John Hopkins University just completed a research investigation with a friend of mine named Erica McKenzie. And they were investigating all kinds of extraordinary experiences too. For John Hopkins, you know, especially with their medical school, that's like huge. So yeah, it's just so exciting the direction this is taking and it's coming into the mainstream education. So we really wanted to get into that. I liked in your book how at the very beginning kind of set your intention on you know, that you were hoping that the readers would find this book different and unique, that it would open hearts and minds. People would be open to the concept that experience holds just as much weight as the science mm -hmm. behind it. And to understand that those of us who came into this world <laughs> wired differently, that we're not weird and crazy. That you really push what Shannon and I talk about a lot. And that is that our experiences are reality. And a lot of times because of these worldly conditions, we doubt them and we push them aside. Mm -hmm. So I love the intention behind your book. You also talk about these four factors that people need to consider if they're skeptics. Talk about skeptics and talk about these four factors. Oh boy. Well, I'll address the skeptics part. I like to think that skepticism is slowly, slowly being chipped away at. Near-death experiences are the biggest, most solid, most difficult thing for skeptics to debunk, right? And I guess that's what I'm, I'm really excited about. When people are entrenched, right, in anything, and I always say it's people that are extremists, you know, you can't argue with them. And hardcore scientists, to me, they're extreme in their viewpoint. I mean, they might not look at it that way, but they're very, very entrenched in the old paradigm. And part of that is, and I may be getting a little off target here, but I think it's really important. One of the reasons I found while they remain so entrenched is funding. And that's sad to me. If you think outside of the box, say like John Hopkins, because they were, to me, they really stepped up. But if you think outside of the box, even as a scientist and you want to get funding for a weird research project, you don't get it. Funding is awarded traditional science, right? And I also remember one scientist who was talking with colleagues and he was talking about a near-death experience and he asked another colleague about it. And the other colleague said, you know, even if I had a near-death experience, I would pretend I didn't and I never would admit it because I would be afraid that I'd be rejected by the community and not taken seriously. So uh, it's slow. It's so slow to 
change a paradigm, but I feel very hopeful. So originally, you know, in the last few years, it's been near death experiences because they're so difficult to disprove. And I just wanted to bring in one of the strongest arguments that skeptics really have a hard time with are NDEs in the congenitally blind who see. And when research is done and they're looking at the research, scientists can't tell the difference between the reports that the congenitally blind would fill out versus the fully sighted. So how do you argue with that, right? But I do think that past lives are starting to gain traction. I think there's been some disclosure. I hate that word, but I think there is more interest and they're taking unidentified aerial phenomena more seriously, out-of-body experiences more seriously. So I'm just addressing skeptics. It's so hard to chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away. But I see it slowly happening. And that's why we were bringing in the educational component, right? Because these are serious scientists at John Hopkins. These are serious scientists at the University of Virginia. It still remains. And Lynn and I fight against it every day. <laughs> and that is something we are firm and we are extremely passionate about. Well, my past life, I actually end up proving in d- with DNA and wow. in life. Oh my so, God. I, wow. It was my brother in the regression. He looks super familiar to me. And I know this person like in this life and we have like a lot of synchronicities. And in the regression, we were on a plantation and I loved him. I, I was very protective of him. He was protective of me. We had a great relationship. In this life, we're connected very oddly. We're from the same state, but we live, you know, in Colorado, but we're originally from Louisiana, but we've always had a weird connection. My dad, his mom ended up dying like on the same day, not like same year, but same day. Yeah. And two years later, I'm doing my ancestry DNA, find out him and I were DNA matches under a plantation owner. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Isn't it? Oh my god, that's blowing my mind. We have so many synchronicities besides that, too, like on and on and on and on. But how I was led to even do the past life regression was that my daughter, when she was around four, almost five, had told me about two past lives in detail. And so I looked into it, and that's kind of what started that journey. But it's very interesting. I do see, like, now we have a lot of scientific stuff, like my DNA. That was like, holy shit, not only are we related, but we were, I could trace back my line to that plantation. It's insane. Oh my, that is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And, and he looks like my real brother. Always that. He looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Yes. That is, like I said, not much like blows me away with the past lives, but this is beyond anything I've heard. Well, I mean, personally, then, have you, then you haven't heard Mandy's NDE story. I have yeah. not. I make well, it's pretty wild. In 1994, I went into anaphylactic full respiratory failure from an asthma attack. And the fireman from station six that saved me was John Woodruff Sr. I met him when I went back to thank the fire department. He shortly passed away after. Then I moved five states. And 18 years later, I, it happened again. And when I got out of the hospital, I went to thank that fire station, which was station 13, and found out that the man that saved me was his son, John Woodruff Jr. And then about six months into my recovery, his father started coming to me in the middle of the night with messages for his son. And I was afraid to tell his son these messages because I didn't know him real well. But I decided that it was my purpose. And I told him these messages and all of them were understood and correct and about things that there's no way I would have known. And so now John and I are very, very close. And the reason I mentioned station six and station 13 is because I woke up out of my coma on 61313. And so those numbers are very consistent throughout my life. 
And yeah, I mean, just a beautiful story. I know he's part of my soul family. And I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah oh my God. Pretty, These stories. We live like, in a big wow. city. Okay. We're not talking little city. You know, we live in Aurora, Colorado. So the chances yeah. are like, no. <laughs> wow. So, speaking of near-death experiences, I have to say that when we had on Eben Alexander, he also talked about music. That was something that stood out to me in your guys' book about that heaven's music, because I hear that a lot, the vibration. Also, I would love for one of you to touch base on the electromagnetic body and how it's affected by these radio frequencies, because Shanna and I have never had anyone on to speak about that. I personally don't hear music. I haven't heard music. I do believe in near-death experiences. It's often classical, like the best described as some type of classical music. I will say that I am incredibly energetically sensitive. And I personally resonate to like Tibetan singing bowls. And I'm a Reiki master too. So I always had this crazy energy and I am going somewhere with this, but I always had this crazy energy. And as I went through each attunement to become a Reiki master, I started being able to hear energy, which sounds crazy. I don't hear music, but I can hear energetic frequencies. If you've ever heard like a Tibetan music bowl or something to that effect, they have different tones, right? And some of them just are really lovely and soothing and others you just want to you know, put your hands over your ears. So an attunement raises your vibration and it becomes less dense and less dense and less dense and higher and higher and higher and higher. And as I went through each attunement, the energetic frequencies I would hear changed and they would become, well, less muffled, clearer and clearer and clearer to the point they were at an incredibly high pitch. I hate to say like a screech because it wasn't uncomfortable. And every time I would hear that incredible vibration, I would feel vibration around my body it would shake a little bit. And it was, it was always indicative that I was connecting with either another being past loved one. And so when I hear and feel energy. It's, it would equate to a dog whistle, right? We can't hear a dog whistle, but dogs can. And I hear an energy pitch that I think most people can't. It's very pleasant to me, but nobody else in the room can hear it, right? That's how I feel it. I feel that my vibration has heightened and heightened and heightened till it's, it was down here. And now it's meeting. You've right, lost the right, box right, of right. the five senses. I'm not in the box. Somehow no. I am, I am going up and up yeah. and up and we are meeting and that's how I hear it. Like, again, I don't mm -hmm. see the colors. I, I hear energy and you know what? First time that happened, I thought I was insane because you read about people, you know, occasionally you get like a little buzzing or weird noise in your ears. Yeah. Right. And my husband has tinnitus and he always hears buzzing. I thought it was insane. I mean, really, I thought, oh my God, what's wrong? Do I need to go to like an ear, nose and throat specialist? Is something wrong with me? Yeah. But then, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, am, am, am I going to like, like have to walk around like this? But then I got what it was and mm -hmm. it, I hate to say the word cool, but it's yeah. amazing. But I know Lynn has a different sensation with it, right? When you're talking about the vibrations, and I think they were referring to also questions about the electromagnetic spectrum, because we yes. did write a lot about that. And that's yes. Barbara's, that's Barbara's specialty. Prior to an out-of-body experience, about 70 to 80% of people have what's called a vibration stage. And, you know, it could be very, very extreme. Like many times it would sound like a jet engine taking off in my head or a train. It's very, very prominent. As I've had them more and more, I love the vibration stage. A lot of people, especially new to this, it could be very, very scary because all of a sudden you're hearing, you know, inside your head. There's been a lot of research on the vibration stage. And I really, really even want to go into that more personally too and learn more. It's almost as if it's sort of this really strange stage where your consciousness is separating it and it's creating all that energy. And you're being able to hear and feel it 
So as I've gone and done this so much more, a lot of people who have done EOBs through the lifetime, the vibrational stage becomes a lot more subtle. Okay. Like right now, if I have an OBE, I could feel like a sensation inside my head and like a rhythm that goes room, room like that. So I like being able to have those. Not everybody has those prior to an OBE, but to me, it's almost like, okay, get ready. You know, let's get ready. Let's plan what we're going to do because I I love having those because I can think about what do I want to do doing this? When you're talking about music, okay, I call it the music of the universe. There's been certain really outstanding experiences, I guess I could say out very amazing, where I felt like I was probably going to a higher plane, a higher dimension, where all I could hear was this blast of this beautiful music, like an orchestra. And it's like I would be flying through space. And as I'm flying through space, I just hear it. And it's just, it's just surrounded. So I'm surrounded by stars and really, really beautiful music. So yes, I've heard that many times during my experiences. Now, Barbara, they were wanting to know more about the electromagnetic spectrum. Can I make a comment about that before you mm-hmm. begin to comment? Mm-hmm. So we have 5G here locally and not far, but all of my ET experiences begin around that time when those started to pop up. Would that have any... Wow. Um, I, and then I have no idea. I'm just saying this for the first time. So <laughs> is there any sort of, <laughs> you know, relation to that? I'm very sensitive to energy. So I'm speaking of this from my own perspective. Okay. Yes. But I feel electromagnetic energy, like when it's embedded in an area, we don't have 5g here and I don't feel it in that way. I can best describe it as Oh gosh, how do I feel? It affects me emotionally. Let me put it that way. If there's intense, intense energy and what I call embedded in, in the land or, you know, in a particular place, it affects me. I feel the vibration of the area, but I feel, I start feeling like if you imagine if lightning would hit you and you're vibrating all over, right? And I start picking up emotions, the emotions and feelings of an area. If that makes any sense, it permeates my entire body, not just in an electric way, but in an emotional, in a psychological way. And I get that a lot here. I live in Connecticut and our town was founded in the 1700s. And there's a lot, a lot of history here. And we live in an area of our town that runs right almost smack through where the Underground Railroad was because for most people don't realize parts of Connecticut were big hubs for the Underground Railroad. So I have that literally passing through my yard and there was an encampment of the Revolutionary War like right down the street from me. So I always feel this like thrumming energy around me. That's how I explain it as a embedded thrumming energy that my body responds to because that's what a lot of experiencers find i'm just wondering like did nobody watch the movie poltergeist and learn anything yes yes i i feel like sometimes i feel like i'm in the movie poltergeist and sometimes it's very heavy and draining but at the same time so here's the deal to me and again i'm focusing on this component just because i like to speak from my heart and my own experiences, because that's the best way I can explain it. So electromagnetic energy not only affects me, right, as an experiencer, but experiencers also affect electromagnetic, quote, energy in electronics, okay? So my computers are always blowing out. I have a watch. It doesn't last. Lights flicker on and off. There's a super famous NDE researcher. Her name is Pamela, but she goes by PMH Atwater. And her electromagnetic field is so incredibly strong that she totally destroyed. (laughs) She was at a huge conference and she blew out most of the electronic equipment. And so one of the keynote speakers they were recording him, his recording, like never happened. Mm -hmm. Like it just disappeared. So she's actually been asked 
before she comes out to speak to like kind of stay off stage and try to ground herself. It's hard to be an experiencer. We not only absorb it, feel it, it can weight us down, it can be poltergeist-ish. Oh, we also act upon it and can, can be very expensive. <laughs> so that's how my personal funny. experience. And our advice for <laughs> listeners out there are if you're tapping into this electromagnetic field and you're into this spiritual realm, you need to get some really good homeowners insurance on all of your electronics. <laughs> chunk of tourmaline put in your front yard. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. What is space schools? I kind of call it night schools. That's what a lot of OBEers kind of term it. It seems like a commonality with a lot of experiencers is that they tend to have a lot of training and education by their guides. And this could be various things. And a lot of times what's really cool is that it can be in an environment that looks like a college. I've been to it so many times, something like beautiful, like Harvard or something that we go into. It can manifest in that way. Many times uh, our guides will personally train us in certain things. Like my guides have trained me in manifestation, especially when you're having, you know, OBE, when you're in your dimensions, the law of attraction works so much faster. You know, I remember holding a rose and looking at it and changing the color. And, and it's just certain things and creating certain things. But one of the main things, too, is that my guides have taught me to create portals to other dimensions, like wormholes. And those are things that have been really, really big with me because there are times if I'm still in my body and I'm having an experience, I've opened my eyes and I can see a portal right in front of my face. So I think that, you know, this is sort of, to me, What's happening is that when we're experiencing these things, we're going from dimension, we're going into different dimensions, and these portals are enabling us to go to these different dimensions. And I have been trained in creating them where I've literally created a portal. I remember one time I had this one that was extremely just huge. Like It's like it took it the whole sky. It was so beautiful. And I just took a head dive right into it. And I end up on a different planet altogether, a different, beautiful scene, different type of city, different types of beings. So, yeah, it's, it's so, sort of the commonality with experiencers that they have guides that teach them. And that's why we call it night school. <laughs> okay. I, I need to know your friends. So I have other people to speak with. <laughs> so, you know, what's funny is that. <laughs> I do. I'd love to, I would love to have friends to talk about this with, which I do a few. And I'll tell you why. One day, my daughter and I were talking. It's my oldest daughter. I have kids from their 20s to nine. And she dreams of this place. She's always alone. She's always looking for someone because she's lost. And it's just a sleek place. It's all white. And I, and I start finishing her sentence because I know I've been there. And we're both saying stuff at the same time. And I'm like, but it's high. It's not here. There's like a walking mover thing that you like at an airport. There's very little people in there. There's no angles in it. It's all smooth. It's just clear, white. So anyways, then I start talking to other people about it because I thought it was so strange. We, we go to the same place. They've been there. I was like, wait, what? And we, again, start finishing each other's sentences. And over years, you know, I have found so many people go to this place. So in my dreams, I so I would try to go there. You know, so then I started to have these purposeful, intentional OBEs. So I meet this little being. I like, who? What was that? It was small. It definitely was not a human. <laughs> Do I sound nuts? So who did end up telling me its name and took me to this beach and this planet that had two moons. I could feel the sand in my feet. It was so real. And here's what was the craziest thing, because I'm an empath. I couldn't figure out its energy. It wasn't good about it. It was neutral. So then I started talking to other people again. Now they're talking about two moons and a planet. And I'm like, holy shit. But I need to talk to somebody about how to get me a wormhole so I can just go straight there. Definitely. So I've experienced the neutral energy. I don't feel the energy like Barbara does. Now, I remember when I first started to research and have the controlled out-of-body experiences that I wanted to meet my guides. And one of the first mm -hmm. things that I did 
was I remember I walked through the house and I saw a couple of beings and I'm not saying that they were shadow beings, but it's, it's as if I could only see their shadows. It's almost like they were kind of glowish. It's almost as if the vibrations or the energy wasn't matching. And I felt like it was probably on my side because mm. as I progressed through this and, and raising my you know, vibration and being able to you know, go in there with that fear and go in there with, with love that they started to, you know, I was actually able to see them and talk to them and communicate with them. Yes. Energy is all about this as now, do I feel energy the way Barbara does? Heck no. I mean, she can, she can, she's, she's the energy feeler. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, so I'm Reiki. I'm a right. I do Reiki as well. And my first two experiences with ETs were during sessions where they were in the corner and there were also two clients who I felt had tapped out of that session. Wow. They were not there. You know, wow. and Lynn, it's, it's interesting. In the book, you talk about misinterpreting dreaming. What is the difference between OBEs and dreams? Oh my gosh, yes. It's like a, if you haven't had an out-of-body experience, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, it's just a dream. It's like, right on the spectrum of these things. As we're studying the different dimensions and stuff like that, you know, we have dreams, then we have lucid dreams, and then we have out-of-body experiences. So that's sort of a spectrum of things. A, a dream would be something that you're just sort of, um, I mean, many people have had those dreams, have dreams. You're kind of just participating in something. You are not aware that you're dreaming, okay? It takes a life of its own. You have no control. You know, that's why sometimes we have very scary dreams, okay? Then you, you look at the um, aspects of lucid dreams where there are much more, you have awareness, you may even know that you're dreaming. And then you have the experience where when you're out of body, you are fully conscious. I mean, it is just, it is just like I am right here, except sometimes it's even more intense. It's like you're more in tune. It's like you're more even aware of when you're just sitting here. And of course, that changes. I truly believe that the dreams, lucid dreams, out-of-body experiences are all journeys into consciousness. They all are about non-local consciousness. So that's why, yes, there is a, a great importance in what dreams are about in dream interpretation. They all play that important role. They are all part of non-local consciousness. Like William Buhlman believes that dreams are a type of OBE. It's, you know, where your body is slightly lifted, but you're not really aware, you know, and he kind of looks at it as all out-of-body experiences. The only difference is that it's your awareness. You know, how cute aware are you? Are you, do you have control? So it's really, the only really difference is that I look at it and believe me, other people will look at it differently because they want to try to, you know, say, oh, OBEs or lucid dreams are not OBEs and things like that. They're all a various form of non-locality of your conscious, of your body leaving, of your conscious leaving. It just varies with the amount of awareness and control that you have. Wow. Yeah, that was fascinating. I, I loved that chapter and your writing on that. The amount of research you guys did in this mm -hmm. book, you guys covered so much. I mean, the heightened senses, the commonalities of the 360 vision, the heightened hearing, downloads, time distortion, the wormholes, the vortexes, the different dimensions, the, the seeing of the light, the string theory. I mean, this book has so much in it and the commonalities that all of these um, experiencers had. It was mind blowing as an indie -er and someone who's had an outer body experience. I never thought that my experiences would match someone that had a deep meditation and astral traveled, or I never considered that it yeah. would match someone that had an experience with an extraterrestrial or even a past life regression. Thank you for opening my mind. Appreciate it. How important are our guides and how can they help us? I have had several guides throughout my life. My grandmother, my deceased maternal grandmother is with me more than ever at this point. For me, guides have given me 
absolute unconditional love I didn't receive as a child. And here's something with experiencers. I don't know if you resonated to this part of the book. We tend to come from certain types of backgrounds, families, and mine was very abusive. And I was not, I don't think my parents ever told me that they loved me till I was like in my twenties. So for me, guides are very special to me because they have changed my paradigm and how I feel about myself and how I've navigated the difficulties of life. When I was two years old, this was my very first experience. And it wasn't, it wasn't my grandmother. I think that sometimes my guides have come into my life for different reasons and they haven't always been the same. This woman Mm -hmm. appeared to me all the time when I was two and she was a native American woman, gorgeous, very striking, not from the century I lived in, I could tell. And she would just have these telepathic, communications and deep conversations with me. That's what I was referring to earlier when I was a little girl having these crazy scientific conversations. But the one thing that was overpowering and that I've always needed from a guide was to show me this unconditional, powerful, indescribable in human words, love. You are loved. You are okay. You may not get it from those around you, but I love you. The universe loves you. My maternal grandmother, I feel her hovering. She wore this certain perfume. I smell her. I feel her. She moves things in the house. And she gives me the same messages, like when I'm feeling, you know, a little off. And I have to tell you, sometimes the love that I'm surrounded with, it's so powerful. I start shaking and I cry. And my husband said, what is wrong with you? And I said, the human body in our three-dimensional state, we're only capable of certain things. And the love we feel on earth, even for our children, which to me is the ultimate here, you know, on this planet, it's blown away by this love, this universal cosmic love and its intensity. And I literally will just have tears streaming down my face and I can't explain that to him. So for me, my guides have been mainly about giving me that peace that I desperately needed and they know that I need it. So that that's my personal experience with guides. And my father passed in 2016 from pancreatic cancer. He wasn't afraid of dying at all. He also was a complete atheist complete, utter atheist. I mean, you go to a black hole. I don't believe in God, but he had zero fear of dying. So we would talk about this all the time. And I said, dad, I want you to visit me. And I said, you know what that means, right? I don't mean come to Connecticut. I mean, I want you to visit me, right? Because I always wanted my dad to like, kind of come in and guide me, but he never did. I was just like, dad, are you going to come visit me? So I had a hypnotic session Lynn actually was in on it. It was about two, three months ago. And as I was hypnotized, this was my intention to call my father in. My grandmother appeared and she brought him. He wasn't in a human form, although I could see his face in this light being. He was in the prime of his life. His his face was as clear as day, but he was just absolutely gigantic, filling the entire universe being of light. But at the same time, I could sense he was a little hesitant. Like, what am I doing? Okay. I've never done this before. I'm new to the other side. Like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) And my, my grandmother appeared behind him and a few other light beings. And they gave him a little push. (laughs) push. And then, yeah, yeah. Like a push. And as he came closer to me, I saw these extensions. I knew they were arms. I mean, they looked like arms. And all of a sudden I felt myself enveloped. And during the session, which was recorded, right? Video recorded. It's actually a group that Lynn and I are in called Seekers. And different members do, quote, experiments. I mean, like if your specialty is Reiki, you might do a Reiki session on the group. This woman happens to be a hypnotherapist. So I'm being filmed and my arms are coming up and I can't stop them. I can't, they're being pulled by my father and we meet. And again, I was vibrating because that love was so intense. And my father who in everyday life could never say he loved me finally appeared 
to give me that love. And I said, thank you, dad. You came and you visited and you did it in a big way. Thank you. So it was absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, so Mm -hmm. validating. I felt so light and so happy and I started crying. So my guides have always been about love and peace and embracing yourself. (laughs) It helped me to navigate and own what I call my weirdness, my craziness, my differentness. And I like to reframe that. They've helped me reframe that, right? Instead of like almost criticize it. What's wrong with you, Barbara? You're crazy. Like you're so weird. I like reframe that and say, no, you're unique. And that's a really cool word. And that's a really cool way of looking at yourself and looking at life, right? I have different gifts to offer. They're just as important, but they're different. And, (sighs) And I love that word unique, right? Mm, me too. I just love you guys so freaking much. I can't even tell you. We put out two episodes a week, you know, so we have a lot of people who are on, but a lot of people talk about the same thing because they won't go this far. So Mandy had even, Mandy thinks I've been all over the place talking about this because you know what? Because I don't talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't talk about seeing aliens and going to their planets or two no i didn't think that's Um, not what i meant by you being all over the place sorry if that's how you took it i mean i just there's so much of it and i've never ever talked about to anyone oh my god that means so much to us you don't even know you're experiencing the multiple things that's kind of what our book's about the different modalities extraterrestrials out-of-body experiences I mean, you, and that's the thing about it is a lot of these things, especially people who have had UAP, you know, ET contact, they have all kinds of weirdness surrounding them, all kinds of weird things, seeing ghosts, seeing orbs. That's why it's like a convergence. It's like, it's multiple experiences. It really is. Convergence. Yes, everything that's well. what I'm saying. That's exactly what we're talking about. The NDE, the OBEs, the ETs, my past life. I've seen orbs. I've seen what you call ghosts or spirits. I mean, Lynn and I together, like we've had thousands, well, probably a thousand experiences, but they're all the same. And I mean, what we're talking about, we could go on for like eight hours, right? But I know we can, yeah. we could. That's our wish. Our wish is to open up a dialogue and to have experiencers like be really comfortable in sharing and feel good about it and embrace it and not feel weird and know there's like-minded other people. And in our book in the back, there's a huge reference section that gives experiencers places to connect, books to read, forums, Facebook groups. Uh, that can connect with us on our um, website. I mean, there's a lot of people that are like-minded out there. You know, you guys took a lot of really difficult topics that could have been hard to understand and beautifully put it into words. And the way you structured your book made it so easy to follow and read. And then I absolutely love chapter eight and nine and how you summed it up. And you even had people talk about Mm-hmm. like EMDR and things you can do when you're going through this spiritual crisis. Mm-hmm. Loved the resources because that's how I felt. I felt like I was going through a crisis and the trauma of the near-death experiences mm-hmm. and how it shifted my life. And so I love that you guys have those resources in the back. Again, kudos to you guys. I know that writing a book with three people had to be extremely difficult, but also <laughs> yeah, super, but it had yeah. to be super fun too. And I loved mm. how you expressed that, how you guys built this friendship and you'd get on Zooms and talk about the book. And I felt like I was yeah. kind of there with you, like, woo, but you guys did an awesome job putting it together. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Thank yeah. You. And you know, that's what Shannon and I have sense of soul for so that people can get on here and know that they can call me up and tell me they saw a green alien in their bedroom and I'm not going to judge them. And yeah. I'm going to okay. yeah. And I'm going to come back with probably something even stranger and we're, we're open-minded and, <laughs> and there's always amazing things to learn from it. I love that you guys have each other and that Shannon and I had each other because to go through it alone is really scary and confusing. Oh, yeah. really One of the hard. most important things in my life and what I've seen reading about other experiencers is that it's like, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for opening up because it is something that is so necessary for them because a lot of times in these groups and forums, 
there'll be people who have never told anybody any of this. They're terrified. You know, they're terrified of what people are going to think of them. Some of them are terrified of their experiences too. You know, yes. especially yeah. when when you're meeting, you know, ETs. I've um, been admitting so, this on this podcast, and I'm like, I don't know yeah. what people think of me anymore. <laughs> Find somebody to try to share this with, so that you know you're not alone. That's the yeah. most important thing. Exactly, because I think the younger generations are more open, and that a lot of kids, when they're young, think they're weird because they're having these thoughts, and then they, they think yeah. that they're something wrong with them. As you state in your book, it's that they have abilities and they're gifted, and they're seeing outside of the box. But the world tells mm-hmm. them that they're weird. Uh, everything has pros and cons. I always tell Shanna, there's a blessing and a lesson in everything, and when it comes to social media and our technology, there's both mm-hmm. of those. Right. It can be good and bad, but the one good thing is, is that there are. So support groups out there for Mm -hmm. everything and communities out there for things like this. And that is awesome in your book. So thank you ladies so much. Where can people buy your book? Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah. Well, the book, let me tell you where the book is available. It's on Amazon and Kindle and it's on Amazon Europe and it's on Barnes and Noble's website. Uh, Their equivalent of Kindle is Book Nook book depository a lot of independent bookstores type it in you know browser you'll find it we're really active on our website and our website is like the hub of the book and it's www.extraordinaryexperiences.org one of the main uh, the bulk of our website we write a lot of blogs and one of the reasons are we share a lot of our stories i mean we're trying to connect with you and all the experiencers and you can contact us and ask us any questions please feel free to do that there is an area where you can do I that, love that. we put it all out there a lot of them are personal others just include you know research we've done or all that but you'll get to know us and hopefully feel comfortable sharing with us. We have the Convergence Facebook page. We have a Convergence Twitter page. And I'm just starting to put together an Instagram page. Lynn, can you think of something I left out? I don't think so. I did want to stress our website. It would be a great place. Extraordinaryexperiences.org. Barbara is a prolific writer. She writes great blog articles. And they, uh, and they center around you know, the things about the topics in the book. So there's a lot of really good information Mm -hmm. and a lot of links to other things too. On Facebook, we each have our own profile and then we have a page for our book. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. So difficult to navigate life being different, not having people to talk to being told by your own family members at times, in my case, and friends, you're crazy, you're oversensitive, you're making this up, you're lying, because we already feel different. And so to try to deal with that alone is difficult. But to add that piece on and then hold on to ourselves and our sense of who we really are, because who we really are, are conscious everlasting beings surviving in this dense little physical body. And I don't want anybody to ever doubt this reality and who they are, no matter what anyone tells you. So I'm very passionate about that. And I'm also very passionate about a new trend that's coming out. And I'm actually a little involved in this about compassionate care and patient-centered care for people having experience, you know, like have a near-death experience in a hospital. We talk about one of these individuals in the book and come out of the experience. And the first thing she said is, I saw God, I, I connected with God. And the doctor just looked at her very strangely. And the next thing she knew, she was committed to the psych ward. So again, it's all about validating the experiencer validating the reality of their experiences. And also you don't have to believe what they're saying, but you need to understand that it's very real to them. And please be kind and compassionate to experiencers. With me, it's like this. You are so much more than your physical body. 
You are so much more. You are an interdimensional being that continues on forever and ever. It's like the, the universe is yours. You know, the stars are yours. Just reach out and grab them. You know, it's something for me that when you get boggled down by our physical reality, by what's going on into society, you know, there's so much stuff that can get you down. It gets me down all the time because, you know, people like us are seem to be extra sensitive about so much of the bad stuff that's going on in the world. But to, but to know that you are so much more than what this physical reality is, you know, it, it's just so, so much more. You know, we're star beings, we're star seeds, we are interdimensional beings, that is who we are, we are not a physical body, we are a soul, you know, living temporarily, minorly, temporarily in this physical body, <laughs> so life continues. Yeah, I loved in your book, it said, death is merely a release from body, so simply yeah. put, right, so simply put. I love you. I love the book. I love what you're doing. Continue your beautiful work. Thank you for coming on Sense of Soul. Thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. Yes. And I want to thank both of you for sharing, for feeling comfortable enough with us to share your own experiences that you might not have shared before. Thank you. That means a lot, a lot to us. Yes, it does. Yeah. You know, I appreciate you listening. There's been times in my life, especially recently where I'm like, I just wish I could take it all away because it's hard. Like sometimes I wish I could just go back to being like the numb sleepwalker because it's shifted so much in my life. And then I have to snap out of that and go, are you kidding? I wouldn't trade it for a thing. Mm-hmm. When you become awakened, it opens up so much more. And sometimes I wish I could go back and be kind of simple-minded again. Mm-hmm. But, oh my gosh. I would ever want to ever go back. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. you guys are my well, weird kind of people. <laughs> oh my God. We feel so connected. Let me tell you, like I said, we could talk for probably five days straight, but yes, longer. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you so Bye. much. We love this. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.